Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome back to Making Data Simple. Al Martin here. I am with Jacques Roy, who's an executive IT specialist here at IBM. Uh, within digital technical engagement. Uh, what do I say about Jacques? He is part of the analytics competitive and product strategy team. He's got specialization in big data streaming, uh, Spark, uh, what is DSX, which is data science experience. We can talk about that. Event store. He's written, I don't know, how many, six, seven, eight books? I, I don't know, so, so many. And he's been for, with IBM for at least 20 years, been in the industry, what, around 35 years. So we've got a ton of experience. Welcome, Jacques. I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you, Al. <laughs> so tell us a bit about yourself. Kind of give us a lead in, and we'll go from there. Oh, my. Uh, a little bit about myself. Well, um, I guess for me, uh, the first time I touched a computer, I fell in love. And then um, I had no choice but go in computer science. And <laughs> I had no clue that I could get a job out of that. I just wanted to play with computers. And guess what? 35 years later, I'm still playing with computers. Where do, where do you live at right now, by the way? Oh, um, these days, I, I'm in Portland, Oregon. So, yes, I did move around a little bit um, um, I don't know if you know, but I'm originally from Quebec, Canada, and I moved to um, to California originally, then I moved to Denver, back to California, and now in Portland, and I think I'm here to stay. That's my last my last move, hopefully. I thought maybe you were from originally France, but no, it's Quebec, huh? It's Quebec, yes. Nice. Uh, when did you move to the U.S.? Oh, my. Uh, I moved to the U.S. in 87, so how long is that? About 35, 35. 34, 33, 34 years ago. So you and I have a lot of history together because we came with Informix. You're you're one of the in, Informix folks, is or one of the Informix zealots, just like myself. And we came to IBM via that path in, in 2001. When did you join Informix? I joined Informix at sea in 1995, I believe, uh, if I remember. Wow, right. that's my same year. Really. <laughs> yes. Where, did you join from Portland or were you in uh, uh, Silicon Valley at the time? At the time, I was in Silicon Valley and I joined the, what the, the group that was called Technical Services Group that was kind of a, an overly um, specialized group that helps the, at the time we called that systems engineers, and when they had problems. And so we'd be the experts coming in and trying to fix a problem or uh, providing a higher level of expertise. So did I get it? I mean, when I, I kind of went through some of your levels of experience, whether it's big data, Spark, uh, data science experiences, essentially Watson Studio, which is uh, a machine learning tool. Hopefully you guys have talk, heard me talk about this before that allows you to run, build, manage uh, machine learning models. But give us more of your experience. I mean, where are you at today? What are you working on on a regular basis? Well, these days I, I focus... Um, pretty much exclusively on um, machine learning, data science, uh, with uh, Watson Studio, really, and Watson Machine Learning, because they really go together. And the, the, the beauty of that 
that that environment is well i, I for, again i focus more on the cloud version but you know we have multiple versions the beauty of that environment is really because it provides a way for team to collaborate and exchange information and you have all the the different pieces that you need may that be uh, tooling to be able to more easily create models or use services for example in uh, visual recognition uh, text to speech, things like that, you have access to all this and that collaboration and the access to everything all together makes it so much more uh, productive to get to a solution. And so I really enjoy what I'm doing with these products. And as part of my day-to-day -day work, uh, I, I basically try to create some assets that will allow people to to kind of do their, their, their self-shopping, the self education, that's what uh, the, uh, digital technical engagement does, because today a lot of people prefer to to investigate themselves instead of having to talk to someone and then feel a little bit um, forced to, to push back or to say, well, I need more time. So by being able to see videos of the capabilities of the product, then touch it through product tours and then even do labs uh, using uh, free access to the product that allows them to really get a good idea of what it is. And then we then start the conversation with them at a um, higher level where they know what it can do. And then we can just fill in the gap and really see how it can solve their problems. So I'm, it's very exciting to work in that field. So, but you're going to have to help me out a little bit. I'm not completely following. Explain to me what te digital technical engagement is. How do you define success? I mean, are you creating models for, for clients and, and then helping them getting those models into production and, and deploying those models within the, the Watson Studio framework? I mean, t tell me more. Okay, so the digital te technical engagement uh, works on many products. My spe specialty is really the Watson Studio and machine learning part of it, uh, with some, I've touched a few other things, uh, slightly kind of uh, helping other people. But the idea here is really uh, at the base to be able to provide information to people so they can easily get to know what these things do without having to spend a ton of time. And so they can just have a quick idea of what what, let's say, Watson Studio provides as an overview. And uh, let's say, for example, I have an overview video that's, let's say, eight minutes. That's kind of a end-to-end -end overview. But then uh, a few other videos that dive more into spe specific capabilities. And then we have, as, as I said, the product tours and the, the labs. And in the labs, we try to make them uh, more specific to how the product would be used within within a company. So that's a big part of what we do, but it's also evolving because we get involved also in sales situation, technical sales situation, where we may help uh, trying to to uh, better explain what the product does, demo demonstrating the product, and even uh, help drafting a, an approach to to how we could uh, we could solve the problem of the customer. Does that help you understand? Well, just it helps me, but I got follow-on questions here. I uh, just, just well, just for the listeners again, when you're talking about Watching Studio, this is our tool. It's a it's a tool. It's made of notebooks, etc. You can share across your your corporation. You're, you can essentially build uh, build, manage, uh, deploy models, uh, machine learning models. 
uh, and it was a, you know, it's a product that I've held responsible for in development, et cetera. You're saying you have the uh, technical engagement on it, but where is the engagement? Is it mostly on videos or is there other areas for somebody listening out there that can say, hey, look, I want, you know, I want to learn more here and I want to do it in an expedited fashion. Where would I go? Right. So you have to look at the name of the group, at least today, digital technical engagement. So being digital, it's, it's really a self-service type of thing. So that's where you'll find ibm.com slash demos. You'll find everything that we do there in terms of assets that we create to better learn about the product. Um, what do you, where do you find most of your, where do you spend most of your time? All right. So basically you say there's a demo site. The digital means, hey, you can go out there. We've got videos, we got demos, we got a playground, that kind of thing. Got it. Where do you find that you're spending most of your time in, in like Watson studio? I mean, you know, where, what do you, what do you find is the, 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 the most common questions you're answering? Well, it's not quite that simple. Uh, really, uh, I work with both technical sales and marketing and, uh, product management to to really try to get to the uh, the core of what people need to know about the product and so that's why we have these different types of assets uh, what what I spend my time on is also try to figure out how can we take it further earlier you were talking about uh, do you create models for customers I don't create models for customers but I try to to find ways to help customer uh, address all the different aspects because creating model is just a small part of what the people need to do. They need to find the data. They need to catalog the data. They need to be able to, to go through that data, explore it to better understand the quality of the data. And so all that is part of Watson Studio. And so in addition to what I've done as part of the uh, digital technical engagement, the demo that, um, ibm.com slash demos, I've also created a uh, YouTube channel that I called Bite Size Data Science. It's spelled B-Y-T-E because it's computer-ish, so Bite Size Data Science, <laughs> where, where I try to get, um, the, really the way that started was to be able to get people that have a lot of experience in data management, uh, like Art and, uh, and um, Art Cagle and uh, Lester Knudsen that you've interviewed in the past, uh, where they can see what path can they follow to really get to get up to speed with what is machine learning and AI so they can be part of the conversation and then bring in their 30, 40 years of experience to teams that need to solve these problems. And so my channel is complementary to what we do there. And of course, I use uh, Watson Studio as my platform when, when, uh, when I demonstrate things. So uh, what, what do I do? I do ways to try to help our customers understand the product and understand how they can get up to speed to, to be able to include machine learning and AI as part of their, uh, their solution. Basically, like we say uh, at IBM often, to infuse AI into their solutions. And uh, so these days, uh, one thing is to try to put together some more realistic um demos that would take data from end to end and get to a solution it could be industry specific to to be able to demonstrate how it can really help people and so by having all these types of dialogues it really helps people understand what it's about because just saying here you can create a model is totally irrelevant if they don't see the the big picture of 
being able to take your data, manage it properly, explore it, being able to uh, then make the modification you need to make it to the highest quality possible, finally create the model, uh, monitor the model and infuse it into your solutions. So it sounds like you're teaching much more than, you know, just Watson Studio. You're teaching kind of the elements around data science, including data mining. Is, is that accurate? I, I wouldn't call it data mining. I, I call it more data exploration. But yes, um, part of it is, you know, several years ago um, when I started with Spark, that's what, that's what really got me into data science. And it took me a while to get my bearings to try to find out, okay, how do I start learning about this? And, you know, to try to remember my statistics classes from college. And uh, so that's why I wanted to try to put together information to help them help people get up to speed faster so they don't have the uh, don't have to go through the pain I've been through and th that's really an entire way of looking at the customer base to say I'm not just there to try to promote a product I'm there to try to help them get to a solution in many different ways because there's different aspects of what they need to do and I believe at in my at my core that our approach with the IBM solution uh provides the best way to solve the problem. So I'm not worried that I'm sharing information that is more uh, uh, generic, more general, um, because I believe that they'll look at that and really look at the different solutions and see that the best approach is to use use the IBM products. So, so are, does that mean to say that you and your team are, if, if I'm a database guy out there, like the database guy that you once were, You've got the material, you and your team have presented the material that I can make the switch or to become a data scientist? Well, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to make uh, wild claims about the, the stuff that I've, I've done, but if you look at, uh, um, if you look at the, the videos I've put together, um, I'm just going to give you a quick idea of, um, of what I have. It's, it's basically when I started these videos, their, their number, I, t I started with data science, who cares? Second video, uh, am I obsolete? So right there, I'm talking straight to uh, older guys that need to figure out <laughs> what they do with this uh, this new world. And then I do uh, data science basics, part one, part two. And then I talk about a few model, a few algorithms, decision trees, k-means, etc. And so with that, since they're five-minute videos, I'm thinking that within 45 minutes, they'll have a, a pretty good idea of, and they'll be able to participate in conversation. And so slowly, if they participate in conversations about uh, solving a problem for their, the company they're working for, then they continue their learning. And so right away, they can, they can contribute and bring in all their knowledge. So yes, I believe that it would help uh, all these database people to figure out that, hey, all their knowledge is still very, very, very valuable because at the core, you need to access data and you need to be able to optimize the access to that data in the context of machine learning and AI. So I, I got it. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, I think I get what you're saying. Look, in 45 minutes, you can get a, you can be able to speak the lingo. But is that it? I mean, I guess the question is, is start to finish with the material you've created. Where can I start and where can I reasonably get to? What can I reasonably achieve? 
Wow. Uh, you know, I can't talk for, for anybody else, but in many ways, what you look... Uh, and again, uh, by the way, my uh, YouTube channel is my own, so it's not really part of uh, a digital technical engagement. It's kind of complementary, complementary to it. Um, but if you look at the videos I have there uh, and uh, the progression that I have in there and uh, the different aspect that I, I'm um, covering... Uh, you kind of see my own progression in uh, machine learning and AI. And I believe that with that, uh, people would need to complement with maybe some uh, Coursera classes to, to go a little deeper with all this. But uh, that, that will give, give them a good foundation that where they'll at least be able to say, you know what, maybe it's not that scary after all. And I really believe it's not that scary. I got you, but I mean, what's your goal on this? Just to get people in a situation where they can very quickly figure out, hey, this is for me, I can do it, uh, versus where many are today that uh, are resisting change. In fact, you know, a bit scared of it or fearful of that 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 change. Right. So, so when you think about resisting change, that makes me think of a book I read many years ago called "Who Moved My Cheese." I don't know if you've read that book. I have not read that one. <laughs> and that's basically about people that are complaining that things change and that should be still the way it is. And also then they, they have less opportunities and maybe they get laid off. And so my goal in all this is to say, listen, you have a ton of knowledge in whatever you've been working on related to data in, in all the years. And if you don't want to end up in the... Uh, discard pile you need to you need to evolve and that evolution is actually not that scary if you know where to start and so that's what i did in there and uh i'm hoping that the people that are resisting a lot of these people they're resisting because they don't know how to move forward and i'm, I'm hoping at giving giving them a path that they can start getting involved and that's been a message that i've tried to to convey in in many forms through uh, presentations and conferences and things like that. And that channel is uh, my latest uh, way to do it. I've been doing this for over a year and I get uh, over eight hours lately, over eight hours per month of viewing at five minutes per video. I think that's, I'm reaching quite a few people. So I think there, there's a demand for that type of, uh, of help. And by helping them and showing them how, how to do things, hopefully then the, they, uh, they can then be part of the teams that will use Watson Studio, for example, to manage their data, to be able to, to catalog the data, to be able to explore it, create models, deploy models, so on and so forth. And being part of the team, then they, I, I don't know about you, but you know, when you achieve something, you get that feeling of satisfaction. And I want people to have that feeling of satisfaction and finish their career on a high and even if they have 10, 15, 20 more years to go. Where do you think a database administrator is going to be five years from now? Database administrators will still be needed. Uh, what, what I've seen is, it's kind of funny because if you look back in the mid, mid to late 80s, uh, when the, we had the craze about object orientation, um, they tried to kill relational databases because they talked about impotence mismatch that didn't work with objects and they wanted object databases. That didn't work out. Later, they try with um, XML databases. That didn't work out. They try with all sorts of things. And even with Spark and talking about um, distributed file systems, 
the the biggest thing that they've done in in there to try to make life easier for everybody was to implement SQL on top of all this. So I really believe that eighty percent of the the people the, the industry can still do everything they want using a relational type database, and they'll need people to manage that. And hopefully these uh, these people that manage these these databases, the DBAs, will also learn uh, a little bit about machine learning and AI so they can better communicate with the teams that need to implement solutions and then be part of the solution from the beginning instead of being being then told at the end, oh, we have this and your data doesn't fit properly. And so, again, better communication between team members. And that's why I, I so much believe in two uh, products like Watson Studio. You know, one thing that occurs to me um, for all the DBAs out there, one way or another, I think there will be a need for D DBAs, but there are a higher there is a higher value position for DBAs in the world today if they do what you're requesting, which is get into some of the data science. Because when you look at the AI lifecycle and the AI lifecycle man management, essentially it's a lot of data, it's, it's, it's a lot of factors around data. It's like data cleaning and then it's feature engineering. It's then you got to do model selection and optimization and validation, deployment, monitoring, improvement. And then it keeps going. I mean, it starts all over again and you go back into data cleansing. Point being is, is they have the expertise. Like you mentioned, some of these people have 20, 35 years of expertise. If they were able to leverage this and, and learn the data science and the, the statistics and the, all the angles around that life cycle that I just mentioned, man, they could, they'll be heroes. They could put themselves in, in, in a much higher value position. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the idea of the DBA. It's not just a database administrator. It, it's somebody that is able to, to really communicate with the, the application teams and the data science teams to really help them optimize the use of the data. And so without data, you have nothing. The biggest problem I have when I'm trying to put together an example of solutions is to find data. And then guess what? Uh, for the longest time, I was using, um, you know, flat files, Spark, and Adobe, these types of things. And it turned out that at the end of the day, I was getting tired of this because everything is so much more efficient with a relational database that I decided now, from now on, when I have data, I, I prefer to put it, in, uh, put it back in a relational database because it's been optimized for the last, what, 30, 40 years uh, to, to really access the data and give me what I need and makes my life so much easier. So these DBAs are essential in any data science project. I, I want to ask you one database question. Before I do, is there anything that we missed that you'd like to uh, ensure that the community listening gets on the machine learning side? Well, I, I, the message I really want to give here is that you have to get into machine learning, AI, and data science, and it's it's a progression. It's and it doesn't take that much effort to be able to be part of the conversation, and then you find your your fit in that team because data science and data scientists, you're talking about really a team of people, not not just you know one person that does it all. It's a team of people. You can get into it. You should get into it. You'll have a lot of fun getting into these projects and it's accessible to everyone. 
All right, well said. I like it. So I got to ask you a question on Informix before we go, because you know we have a lot of history in Informix, and uh, that's kind of our our early years uh, together, if you will. You're a '95. I'm a '95 guy. Fantastic. So knowing what you know about Informix, I'm just curious. Where do you think it stands in the marketplace even today? I'm sure you've kept up with it to some degree. Yeah, that's uh, to me. It's a bit of a sore subject, just because uh, you know I. Again, I've worked on many databases. Uh, when I was I was working for a hardware vendor at one time, and I was I was working also on porting the databases to that platform. And so I've worked on Oracle, Sybase, um, uh, Informix, a little bit on Ingress, and uh, even on uh, object databases. Uh, and so over the years, so I, I, I've made up my mind about many databases. And as you remember, at one point I was even a development manager in Informix. And I just find that architecture so well done and so so easily adaptable to to new environments that uh, I still <laughs> I'm biased, of course. Like you said, you know, I started an Informix in '95. I'm biased, but to me, it's still the best database on the market. What makes the architecture so good? I'm just curious. I mean, for those that are listening, I'm sure they're interested. <laughs> well, internally, you know, it was really well divided in terms of the. I forget the term, the terminology now, but you know they had these little um, core objects that would pass, that would do specific things, and you'd you'd pass through them to get to another level. And everything is well, uh, well written, modularized. So uh, when they decided to add extensibility to the database, they kept the same approach to do it. And after that, when they needed new functionality, they could take advantage of the fact that the core architecture was extensible and they can add capabilities there. And you don't have to depend only on the, the development team to add capability. You can add your own. And that's so sad that uh, the industry in general did not understand that really database extensibility would have been a great way to, to move forward instead of trying to invent all sort of new databases for niche problems. You could you could really uh, take an approach of saying, "Hey, I, I have my core relational database that I extend for new new approaches." For example, time series, if you remember in the Informix right. uh, days, um, and so that type of approach would would make life so much simpler. And so that ties into into your podcast here, making data simple. Uh, it's really what it's about. I mean, you want to make data simple. You want to make uh, the solution simple, as simple as possible, but no simpler, and really get to the proper solution. And I think uh, for people that are using Informix today, keep using Informix, and you want to do data science, Informix will be a great platform for where to get to to take your data to to create your models, so on and so forth. So I still love that 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 uh, that database. And personally, if I was on a project uh, and I had my choice of databases. Uh, I'd say probably 99% chances that I'd say, well, why don't we use Informix? Sometimes great technology is before its time, I think, uh, in that you know time series database, or yeah, the time series functionality. If you're, it came out, I think, in Informix, 94, 95, 96, somewhere in there. I mean... A little bit later, uh, that was after the acquisition of, uh, I forgot the name now. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was actually the development manager uh, 
dealing with uh, time series, for example. Well, year was it then, 97? The point is, is that they're still talking about that today. And, you know, Informix had it, you know, over 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's that's still relevant. And the real the uh, real-time loader is still relevant. That's basically kind of the inspiration for Event Store, the real-time loader of Informix. Right, right, right. And, yeah, I know, object-oriented database. Uh, people had a hard time. Uh, catching on, but uh, it was before it's time there. Hey, look, I want to play a yeah. little game with you uh, before sure. before we end. You ready? This is like, would you rather? You got you got to pick one side or the other. I'm gonna see if I can trip you up a little bit. That that's the whole fun <laughs> of it all, right? Okay. All right. I, I probably know the answer to this already, but Informix or Event Store? Informix. <laughs> Relational databases or big data? Relational database. Now, why would you say that? You got, everybody's going into big data, although, as we know, some, some folks have sh shifted between CapEx and now OpEx, and the OpEx is like three times as much as the CapEx because of, of the move. But why would you say? I was, uh, I was in Boulder a few weeks ago, and there's a guy there that's a hardcore developer. And basically, I'll give you his answer. He said that if you don't have more than one terabyte of data, terabyte? Petabyte. Let's see. I'm, I'm getting confused with these numbers. <laughs> Petabyte of data, you're okay with a relational database type because, you know, you, we, we can have a distributed database. Uh, it's, it's part of the model. But look, many, almost most of the enterprise customers I'm working with now are in the petabytes. Right. But it, compared to, uh, yeah, that, but again, uh, there are the petabytes. What data do, do they have? Is that petabyte because they have a lot of images? They have a, lo a lot of documents? Uh, that 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 kind of uh, is not quite the same thing, um, and so yes, a lot of customers on petabytes. But when you think about the the market in general, the overall market, I still believe that at least eighty percent of the customers don't need uh, don't need that big of an environment. If you need it, then that's a good thing. And if especially you're dealing with a lot of unstructured data, then yes, you can you can look at approaches like like Hadoop environment distributed file system. But, you know, you, you really have to be, uh, to discriminate between uh, here's the problem I have, here's the data I have, and not just jump into something because it's it's the uh, the hot thing to be into. Open source or proprietary? Ooh, tough call because I love open source. I really love open source. Uh, what I find there is I love open source, but... Uh, Open source is nothing if there's not several decent commercial companies behind that open source. If it's not there, it will die. So again, open source is great. Make sure that there's a, a good support behind it. And that support, you'll find it by looking at which commercial companies are there, which consulting companies are there that support it. And that's that's what we've seen over the years. I've been, uh, I don't know if you remember a book that I've written called uh, open source components for Informix Dynamic Server. Uh, so open source has been uh, dear uh, dear to me for a long, long time. So what I heard you say is open source, but uh, to make it work a lot of times, it's got to have the proprietary backing or influence or injection or in intersection point someplace in there. It, it, it's a must. Yeah. You have to have the backing of commercial companies behind it. Otherwise, uh, you'll, be a, you'll end up... Uh, just with a product that you have to support yourself and it will be dying slowly. Yeah, yeah. Data science or AI, there is a difference. Well, there is a difference. 
Personally, I look at data science as being more than just creating models. And uh, I look at AI as being uh, more of a, uh, an aspect of it that is more related to neural networks. And so to me, data science includes AI, so I have to go with data science. All right, clicker or coder? I'm a coder personally. Uh, so I'll tell you, like when I was uh, doing development for the Informix uh, data server, um, my environment was VI and uh, my debugger was printf. So I've always been more of a hardcore coder. But um, I must say that over the last few years and with streams, for example, the tooling and streams and the tooling available in the Watson Studio, I kind of like the fact that I can be so much more uh, efficient by using these clicking things. And so I'm a coder, but I really like the clicking because there's also a lot of flexibility in those. All right, then Python or R? Python, no questions asked. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, you already mentioned Python earlier. Hey, look, I, I, I couldn't stump you today. I'll have to get you next time. Hey, thank you for being on. I appreciate it. Uh, before we close, where can listeners learn more about what you're working on or get in touch with you? So to get in touch with me, uh, I'm on um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Uh, easily, you can take a look at uh, ibm.com/demos, and you look on, you look for Watson Studio, for example. You'll see all the stuff I do there, and you can look at YouTube. You you look for Byte Size Data Science B Y T E, and uh, you'll find my channel there. And on my channel, you'll actually find a uh, buttons for uh, LinkedIn and uh, and um, Twitter, so you can get in touch with me that way. Well, folks, you heard it here. 45 minutes and you're an expert in data science. All you got to do is follow Jacques. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm looking for that quick start. I'm going to try that 45 minutes. It's a good infomercial. You should sell that, man. 45 minutes to data oh. science expertise. Well, you won't be an expert, but you'll be able to be part of the conversation with the 45 minutes. Dude, stick with the expert. You'll make a lot of money. You know, it doesn't matter. Expert <laughs> takes more videos. It takes more, more practice. How many, how, many, how many books do you have you written these days? I don't know. Ten? Um, because One I've written ten. many red books. Uh, I have myself, I, that written by myself, I have three. Uh, I have another one that I've, uh, another one that I've written, no, one or two, one that I've written with some other people, and I have a bunch of red books that I've participated in. So I don't know. Um, a lot. That's a dozen. <laughs> about right. a dozen. Well, thank you for being here. I always love to have a fellow informixer on uh, that uh, we've got a lot of history together. I appreciate it. You've got a lot of expertise. And for all those listening, thanks once again. Hit us on almartintalksdata at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or if you'd like to be on the podcast, meanwhile, I'll see you on that podcast. I'm out. See you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, let's go over and out.